Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Amarpreet Kalkat. He's the founder of Humantic AI. Hey, Amarpreet, how are you? Doing well, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation because there's a lot of depth to what we're going to be talking about and getting into. But before we do that, let's start with our capture question. Prove your humanity, Amarpreet. I want to know, what's the best reward that someone can give you? Well, I think uh, if someone tells me that I've made a meaningful difference to their life, um, I've been able to do something for them, I think uh, that for me has very, very high satisfaction score. So like that word of affirmation says you actually made a difference in the scope of my life. Right. I mean, I was able to do something good for someone. You know, I think if we all do that, it all starts adding up fairly quickly. For sure. It feels weird because like if somebody were to say that to me, like I would act like that's no big deal. I'm just trying to do my best here. But that would really like impact me internally a lot. Right. There are like different gifts. Like if my I have kids and if, if my kids like give me a gift or my wife gives me something like those things sometimes mean a lot to me too. Yeah. But, you know, feeling those rewards in a lot of different ways are a really nice way to, to come about it. Absolutely, yes. Well, cool. Let's jump into this conversation. We are talking about uh, AI and specifically how AI can make us better humans. So give us a little bit of background about Humantic AI and what it is that you do. So Humantic, uh, yeah, Neil, as the name probably you know gives away a little bit, it helps people understand other people better. It helps people understand people on the other side of the table better. Let's, let's put it like that. And at the core of it is, you know, our thought, about uh, um, you know having helping people have more meaningful interactions, uh, and which stems out of having a better, better understanding of what the other person is all about, what their needs are, what their expectations are, what their constraints are, what matters to them or doesn't matter. So typically, that is that is something that we all try to do as we as we get to know people, right? We we're always trying to understand you know where the other person stands. But today, as um, as one, the world's become more virtual and will stay to some degree as AI, you know, starts coming in, you know, more and more. So I think that need, if anything, you know, goes up very significantly. Can I know you better as a person so that we can have a more meaningful interaction today? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start because sometimes we're we're good at this and sometimes we're really bad at this. You know, having these meaningful interactions as humans. Right. I feel like. And it's a pretty small percentage of time when I feel like I'm actually talking with somebody and I'm doing my best to understand where they are. My mind's not racing around all the other things I need to do. What am I trying to get out of this conversation? But actually being able to stop and think about like, what does it mean to actually understand the world from this person's perspective, to be more empathetic, to understand those things? So normally we would think, okay, we need to do more you know, emotional intelligence training, think about things, but you've actually come up with a solution that uses AI to help us in this. So explain how that works. Yes. So um, it is uh, AI doing you know, some of that stuff that people otherwise uh, learn in, in different ways. How we do that is, uh, so one part of it is what we call data recycling. So we try to make use of the data that's already existing about you that uh, is already available. So for example, Currently, as, as you know, you know, we work with recruiters and we work with salespeople. Now, both recruiters and salespeople, before they jump on a call with someone, before they send out an email, typically, 
Uh, what would they do? They'll take a look at someone's LinkedIn profile, right? If, you, if you're really curious, you might look up even their Twitter profile. Uh, I mean, that's, that's generally where you'll stop, you know, so you'll probably not go into Facebook, you know, that that's more personal, you know, that's, uh, that's not really a professional view of someone's life. And we use that data. For example, we can make use of the information available on your LinkedIn. And that goes into our AI. And based on that, our AI engine assesses or understands your personality on a variety of dimensions. So that forms the core of the product. And based on the understanding of your personality and your potential behavior, our AI will tell a It'll tell a salesperson, for example, saying, hey, when you're talking to Neil, uh, pay a lot of attention to details, for example, right? Or when you're talking to, let's say, John, uh, be more of a storyteller, you know, share examples. That is what is going to be more meaningful for them to see value in what you have to offer them. For recruiters, again, straightforward. See, all of us, I'm, I'm sure, get dozens of, you know, emails and email messages from recruiters every every day every week and it's all just the same right it, it you hardly ever see something that stands out that appeals to you and that's exactly how we help recruiters too so if you are someone for example you know our understanding of you as a person shows uh, you are moved by challenge and you know by achievement so then that is what will you know tell the recruiter and the recruiter can take a call if if the role has to offer that Versus if you're someone, you know, who's looking for more balance versus someone who's very people-oriented. So that uh, is how Humantic makes use of data that's already there and acts as like a partner or acts like a coach to the human in helping them build this extra layer of empathy. So I have to ask, Amarpreet, did you run it on me before we got in this call? I always run that, Neil, before I get into any call. So yes, I did. So can you give a little behind the scenes peek? Have you altered this conversation at all or the things you're wanting to share based on what you learned about me? Well, slightly, yes. Slightly, yes. So uh, I, I would say, if, you know, my natural style and your personality have a good match, right? Because I saw it, right? So now I have objective data. We're coming into this call. I had just seen your picture. Uh-huh. You look really good. And, uh, you know, I saw some, heard some podcasts. So I had some idea. Mm-hmm. So, but what if I was, um, you know, for example, your humanity about you, it says, uh, you know, thorough professional and, you know, very sincere. So, and, uh, you know, a few more things. As is, there's quite a bit of information there. Now, what if I was uh, someone who was, you know, uh, very extroverted, you know, very loud, pompous to some degree and, you know, going all over the place, that might not have, you know, sat as well with you saying, what is this guy talking about? You know, he's going all over the place. But, you know, if I, let us say, going by what Humantic has to say, I keep it slightly measured. You know, I, I keep it very, very thorough. I don't skip the details. I think that will help us today have a more meaningful conversation than it might have been otherwise. Yeah, this is really fascinating. I'm thinking back to, you know, this is like episode 168 or something like that that we've done. So if, which I know your Humantic works on like LinkedIn profiles and different things, but let's say that you could also take all the transcriptions from all the podcasts that we've done. And even, I guess, to some extent, it'd be even more important to hear the audio style of it and which episodes I got more excited about, right. which ones I was talking more, or there was more of a give and take conversation to that. Because it, like you said, 
I can think back to a few episodes where the person really did come across as pompous and really wanted to talk about how great they were. And I just kind of shut up and I don't say anything Yeah, and let them kind of go on and be like, okay, that episode was a bust. Yeah. But yeah, being able to pick up on those things is a really fascinating thing. Absolutely. So, uh, so we don't process audio data at this point of time, but we do process text. So I said LinkedIn because that's the common input, a common starting point. But yes, if you have a transcript of, you know, a conversation with someone, text does, you know, become an input into our system. And the only, only thing with text is that you need more data, yeah. right? So you need more. So it's uh, something you call psycholinguistics, you know, correlations between language and someone's behavior. It, it's a fairly established, you know, body of research is out there about it, but it just needs a bit more, but you could, you could do it. How much of your tool is like a black box? Like it's just making decisions on its own and figuring out new things. And how much of it is you've kind of, you've programmed it to say, hey, when someone mentions these things that demonstrates that they have a lot of sincerity or something like that. Is there a lot that you've had to program into it or is it kind of on its place where it's learning on its own and making its own decisions? So, uh, so I think it's right now it's a combination of both. I think as it goes forward, it, it will keep becoming more self-learning. Uh, that's, that's the direction it'll head in. At this point of time, we can, the two things, right? One is, can we? And second is, will we? Right. That let's let's break your you know question into these two parts. So number one is can we? Uh, right now, to a great extent, we can. So you know we we know what's the feature vector like. You know we've done secondary you know studies where we're doing correlation analysis, etc. You know between some of the features. So so to a to a good degree we can. But as we move forward, for example, uh, you know our approach uh, right now combines a couple of you know different AI algorithms. Um, you know, some part of it goes into, you know, neural uh, networks. As we maybe go more into unsupervised, you know, for example, you know, uh, ML, it might become slightly harder for us to be able to explain even if we want to. So that's the first part. So still we can explain to a large degree. We can't absolutely fully explain because the algorithm might be learning features that we don't know, right? That That's how uh, NNs will work. Second part is will we. So there I can tell you categorically that we... Uh, we have a very transparent approach to you know building AI, building technology. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I did a I think it's like a fifteen hundred word you know blog post. Simply says how humantic AI works. So we put it out there saying, look, this is what matters. This is what matters. This doesn't matter. This constraint is taken care of, and this is, but this constraint might not be. So uh, you know I, I can maybe share the link. But yes, uh, we choose to build very transparently with respect to technology. We'll try our best. Do you feel like among the AI community that everyone has a similar viewpoint in that? Or do you feel like there, it's a wide variety of, of some people just want to push it as far as it can go? Because this question of, you know, can we and, and should we or will we is a big one that a lot of people wrestle with. Where, where do you feel like the spectrum is among other AI professionals? I think the spectrum's quite wide. It has a few different, you know, segments within it or cohorts within it. So there's there's a group of people um, for example, you know, many researchers are significantly pro-transparency, right? Which is, which is expected. You know, they they work in those surroundings. Their point of view is, uh, you know, coming at anything from, hey, this has to be fair, this has to be transparent. Then, of course, on the other side, you know, you might have like another segment of uh, founders who see business value in their algorithms, etc., and might not want to be as open. 
But I, I really think they split into two parts. See, because the fact is, our again, coming back to how we are, our personality, our personality defines our approach, right, in life. You know, that's that's the starting point for many organizations, how their cultures form, what they do tomorrow. Some of them, some of the people will have an open approach, so they will gravitate towards, you know, more openness. Some of the people will not. As companies grow, the complexities grow, right? So different kind of challenges, you know, start coming in. My take is, yes, it, it, is, it is spread out as I don't think everyone is necessarily going to open up even to a degree that they should. So, um, yeah, so I think let me, let me just, you know, take a pause there, but that's, uh, that's where I think things are. I wish it was slightly better, but it, it, it could be better. I don't think it's where it needs to be. Yeah, I'm usually encouraged when I talk to people in that space that there is a lot of thought going into it and people are kind of self-regulating and trying to, as a group, you know, learn things. But there's always going to be people who want to push it beyond what could be there. Let's talk a little bit about even if your main goal is to, let's just say, improve human interaction and improve conversations between humans. Tell me, what's the limit that you see right now? You talked about your feature list that's coming up down years to come. Where do you feel like AI is going to continue to add value and to build? And what are some of those far out things that's just like, it's going to be a long time before we can actually teach a machine to build these things? So I think, um, I mean, both things. But right now, I would say uh, the main thing is there's just so much that can be done. You know, before we really start hitting what cannot be done, you know, what the, what the outer bounds are, I think there's, there's a long, long, long way to go in terms of how we build AI can be, you know, can be, uh, there's a lot to do in terms of where we can use, you know, uh, AI. So like, let's, let's talk about humantic, you know, we're talking about human interactions and how they can be more productive, you know, how they can be, uh, you know, drive more output. So right now we're working with, you know, salespeople and recruiters, but just for us, you know, there's like yesterday, one of our investors called up and he said, Hey, you know, I'm invested in this company. That's a dating, you know, uh, product. And can't you guys be used there? Because people really need to understand each other, right? And ideally before, you know, they meet. So, and I, I'm like, yeah, actually you can be. There are other use cases too. For example, there's a couple of companies you're using it in customer support and, and beautifully. I am a customer support agent. I'm very objective. You know, I'm very, uh, let us say, uh, you know, great at troubleshooting, but I don't have a lot of patience, you know, uh, in general. Well, I am not the best agent to answer certain kind of queries, right? Because certain queries might need someone with much higher level of patience, very basic. So what if you could, so there are multiple, so there's a lot of ground that needs to be covered. And there is the only constraint that AI can or will face is the data and the quality of data, right? So so right now, again, data-wise, I think there, there's a lot that's out there. What we need to be careful about is drawing the boundaries and the lines, what data is useful, what is not, what data is public, what is private, what data is okay to look at and what data is not. So I think those are the more important questions which we haven't fully figured out, but we we need to be thinking more about. Yeah, I mean, there's an assumption that if my LinkedIn profile is out there publicly, that anyone can look at all that information but I wouldn't expect that, okay, because it's on LinkedIn, anyone can run an algorithm on it and figure that out. But I mean, because we're in this industry, we know what's going on and, and many different levels. But I'm not sure how aware the general public is that even that level 
that permission is being given on the public space too. So yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's the other side of it, right? So, so while we speak, you know, um, while we look at in terms of what is what's right, what's not right, you know, what what is okay, what is not okay. See, but the other aspect, Neil, always always is anything new, anything new that comes. What is the first reaction from the average, you know, person? What is the first reaction? Yeah, they're going to pull back. They're going to be a little fear. Yes. Yes, no one has ever seen something new, a new technology, and said, "This is the best thing ever." At a at a at a majority level, there's always going to be, you know, that five percent, ten percent who look at a new technology and they just go like, "Wow, you know, I can do so much." But you know, generally, and I'll tell you, New York Times, you know, uh, has a fairly fairly long historical archive, right? And there's a Twitter account, uh, if you act on Twitter, called Pessimist Archive. Pessimist Arc, it's, that account is, you know, Pessimist Arc. You got to follow that. You'll be surprised what all has been said about what all technologies. Everything that we use today that we cannot live without when it started was, this is the worst thing ever, right? So, so it's, a, it's a delicate balance between, you know, progress uh, what's right, what's not, how people will feel versus how people should feel. So I think we, we uh, the builders, you know, it is on us that we respect, you know, people's uh, thoughts and wishes. We build, th- you know, things in a thoughtful, meaningful manner that overall people are able to see value and not, you know, not the reverse of it. Well, let's talk about a few more use cases. You said, okay, right now, sales and, and recruiting, but you mentioned a few others that's there. Let's put this, you know, five years into the future. Let's just say that every a company is, is fully utilizing a tool like Humantic for its interactions. What else is going to be improved in terms of the interactions they could expect? So let's put it like this. See, one is right within what we are doing today, what is the level of impact possible? So, so there's this uh, you know, uh, research paper by a couple of professors, you know, I think, uh, Professor Pierce Steele, I remember one name, I think University of Calgary or something. So it computes, it objectively tries to quantify what is the impact on output on GDP, a country's GDP, if just hiring started including Big Five, which is a personality assessment framework, based assessment, along with, you know, your, you know, grading point average, you know, your so essentially the soft and the hard skills, right? Intelligence, you know, and, and EQ and IQ, let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. So Neil, that, that number for U.S. economy is between $800 billion to $1.2 trillion. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's the number that's, uh, you know, that's a detailed research paper that talks about how if we were to humanize hiring more, the impact that it could have, you know, eight to twelve percent impact on the on the GDP of the country, right? So, so that's one part in terms of what is possible just in one like domain, you know, where we're working. But beyond that, like I, sh- you know, I shared these examples with you. So, see, wherever there is today, I would say one, there's a human to human interaction involved, as as it is there in you know hiring, as it's there in sales, as it's there in customer support. But increasingly, I would say. Or maybe even more importantly, where there is an interaction between an AI and a human, right? You, mm-hmm. a lot of us are now beginning to interact more with chatbots. You go to a website, a chatbot, you know, pops up, says hello, hi. Right. You know, we end up having a few conversations. There's some degree of intelligence that they might have, or 
you know, slightly more than that. So that's right. It's more and more. Do you do we really want the chatbot, you know, to be just the same way with everyone? What if the chatbot, the AI, right, essentially could also again have a sense of you know what kind of a person you are, and therefore, so so that's like the next level, you know, where it's not only the human human interaction, you know, that is getting humanized, but even a human AI interaction, which we will be having a lot more of, you know, as we keep going into the future. There's the sample scope, you know, even on that front. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like something even like recruiting? I'm thinking like it's one thing to try to teach and prompt humans. Like you said, if you're getting a dozen recruiter messages a month, how does it stand out? Do you see a point in the near future when we kind of realize that humans are still not great at this and actually AI reaching out directly can come up with a crafted message that would actually probably exceed what other people are there? So I'm a very big believer in the power of human plus AI. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's, you know, that's what's going to happen very often. That's what's going to be, um, you know, the most positive way of adopting AI. In fact, uh, you know, you, you should check it out. Just yesterday, I was watching this TED Talk by, uh, you know, no one other than Gary Kasparov, right, the, the chess champion. And, uh, so he talks about, um, you know, humans and AI working together. And he talks about, you know, his loss to Deep Blue, you know, back in, I think, 97, 98. And he's like, you know, someone who lost his world title to a computer. I have come to be a very strong proponent of human plus AI together. So how AI can help humans be more effective. So, yes, at a broader scale, yes, there will be changes as as every technology and every new fundamental change brings. There would be some jobs, jobs that might get automated. There'll be some not. But overall, I think humans and AI are going to work together a lot and they are going to be very, very effective when they do that. It reminds me of uh, the article that came out from Licklider about the human-computer symbiosis. This is back in like the 50s or so. And he basically said that there's going to be this golden age when humans and computers will be able to work together, we'll be able to get a lot done. It'll be just kind of a fantastic time to see all these advances. He says, you know, that age will end. There will be a point where the computers realize that they're better off without us in in some situations. They've learned everything they can from us. So just speaking as like a a far out futurist, but he's like, there is going to be this kind of golden age when when we can really get a lot done and we can see things going. Every, every agent's Every age ends, every kind of golden age ends, every kind of dark age ends, right? We we know that. Uh, you know, I, I stay in Bangalore, right? I, I mentioned to you around, uh, you know, five, six hours drive, you know, from Bangalore is a is a UNESCO World Heritage Site called Hampi. Okay, so uh, it's called Hampi. Uh, it, Hampi was the kingdom of uh, Vijayanagara Empire. It was like a big, uh, you know, uh, big, quite a big empire, you know, back in the day. Around maybe 500 years ago, you know, not like really, really long ago. Uh, like India has a lot of history, but 500 years ago. And I, I was, and many times I'll just get curious, right? If I'm going to a place, I'll, I'll just read up on Wikipedia, you know, something about that. If I'm talking to someone, right? Or if I'm uh, watching a movie, I'll maybe read up a bit about the movie or the actors, you know, just, just general curiosity. And what completely got me, I had to read it a couple of times. Uh, and, you know, even for me who stays here, it was unbelievable Around 500 years ago, uh, this place, Hampi, which is now no more than a small town or a village, was the world's second largest city. Wow. They were the world's second largest city. I think the largest city at that point was Beijing. 
You know, this this is around 500 years ago, yeah. So I think 500, 600 years ago, and Hampi was the world's second largest. Unimaginable. I mean, even today in India, Hampi will not even be in the you know top thousand, right? So forget big cities, forget the next level. So my point is, every golden age is gonna end, and uh, you know it'll be replaced by something else. Every dark age will end as well. So uh, yeah, so that's that's how the cycle is, you know, at a, in a in a bigger scheme of things, yeah. Um, this has been really fascinating. I really enjoy talking with you and I enjoy the mission that you're on, trying to improve human interaction and may as well use technology to the fullest to help us to get along better. If people are interested in your tool or in other places where you are, where should they go? So just head over to humantic.ai, human, T-I-C-H-U-M-A-N-T-I-C.ai, humantic.ai. Yeah, we, you know, we have a free trial, three-week free trial that anyone could use. Uh, you know, a lot of our customers tend to be, in fact, you know, small businesses, et cetera, that that see that, you know, we're able to help them, you know, do more business, you know, do better, prosper. Um, yes, you know, big companies uh, as well, but uh, it's very easy to get started with. So yes, humantic.ai, and you can very easily uh, get to experience the product firsthand. Well, fantastic. Well, I will try it out and uh, all the audience can check out if the podcast get better after this, if I learn more about the guests that are coming in. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I see, I've been on sales calls. I'll tell you what I look at someone's profile and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a hard one. And that's literally, I go in and, you know, I, I start getting some, you know, this and that and whatnot. But I am at ease, right? Because I knew I was going to walk into, you know, not the easiest of conversations. So, yeah, so I think uh, you, you should definitely try it out. It, it could uh, add, start adding more value, you know, to, to the content that you produce. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We look forward to learning more from you in the future. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me here. I really enjoyed the chat. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you can. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.